Well, the word really that goes with the series that we're in, in the, uh, right now over the next couple weeks is uncertainty. I'm sure you guys are the same as us. Our families had our share, some moments over the years where um, we just kind of wondered, okay, what have we gotten ourselves into, right? <laughs> Whether it's decisions that we've made or decisions made for us or just seasons of life that, that kind of go along where you just think, man, we're, at this point, we're just going to do the, our best to wait it out, right? We're just going to get through this, whatever we have to do to figure it out or fight it out. And, and then there's times where you turn and you say, man, God, what, what are you up to in this moment? Like, what, what are you bringing us through? What's your plan here? What, what's... What are you doing that we can't see yet? And many times I've been left with just situations where there's not much to say and you just kind of find yourself saying, man, all right, God, I, I trust you. I trust you with my heart. I don't have anything else. I don't have anything uh, more to ask of you. I don't have any other understanding of this situation beyond, all right, God, I, I can't see what you're up to. I don't know where this path is taking us, but I trust you, right? And sometimes that's all that we're left with. And in this series, he's still got the whole world in his hands Basically, uh, last week we hit the idea that even if life is uncertain, even if we can't see what God is doing or hear him or understand where the path is taking us, even if life is uncertain, God is still working. He is still active. He is still accomplishing his plan, even if we can't see or understand what he's up to in the moment. And in fact, what we talked about last week is that uh, it seems like God uses uncertainty and is more at work in uncertainty than any other time in our lives because it's in the uncertainty that God gets our attention. And he uses uncertainty to draw people to repentance. And he uses it to get us to reevaluate our priorities and really feel the weight of our dependence on him. And we see this throughout the Bible. If you read through any story of the Bible, this, this is not a book full of healthy, rich people living it up and having fun. This is a book full of people who are facing uncertainty and discovering that not only is God not absent, but he is fully present and fully at work accomplishing his plan in the lives of his people. Now, sometimes that process might seem slow. And sometimes that process might seem even frustrating to wait on God, to wait and see what he's up to. But the alternative to waiting on him is far more unproductive, right? Because not waiting on him includes worry. It includes panic. It includes a little bit of overreaction at times in the way that we handle things. Not very productive, but God asks us to wait on him and trust that he is working even in the midst of our uncertainty. And today, we come to a vital part of not only understanding that truth, but actually living out and experiencing that truth in the midst of our uncertainty, in the midst of some of the circumstances and things that we come across. Um, and we're actually going to finish the service today with a chance to just pray. Right, just a chance in, in the quietness of a moment by yourself or as a couple or as a family to just have some moments to, to talk to God a little bit and share your heart with him and spill your guts to him um, and give him an opportunity to minister to you. So we're going we're gonna to close with that. But first, just to kind of uh, build up to that moment, uh, we mentioned Paul last week and how he was a man who experienced all kinds of uncertainty even in the midst of a path that he believed that God had him on. And Paul had a lot to say about it, what to do, in the midst of uncertainty and how to deal with some of the things in our lives. And, and so we're going to be in Philippians 4 um, for a couple verses today. But first, Paul's journey to where he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi. He's writing from a Roman prison or at least under house arrest. And Paul had been on quite the journey from his home in the, in, in the nation of Israel in the Palestine area all the way to Rome. A lot of things took him there and he, and he kind of details some of the things that he went through as a missionary, as someone trying to, to decipher God's will for his life and where God was taking him and what he wanted to accomplish in him. So before we get to Philippians, first I want to hit 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 
verse 24. So Paul, in a strange way, kind of brags about some of the garbage he had been through as he attempted to determine what God was doing in the midst of uncertainty. So listen to some of the things that Paul experienced in his life. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-four. Five times I received 40 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. So these are the things that Paul has experienced in his journey with Christ. Ever since he met Jesus on the road to to Damascus, this has been his life. And in the midst of those things, in the midst of those experiences, he wrote Philippians chapter 4. He wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Paul's saying, be in a state of of joy and well-being. Be glad always. Now, some of you are in the midst of a season where you're saying, "Uh, not a chance, bro. You serious? You want want to be glad right now? You want me to experience joy right now? You want me me to experience well-being in my heart right now? and, And so when we hear rejoice always, it would be easy to dismiss that all on its own if that was the phrase, right? That could be ignored. Not possible to rejoice always, but that's not the whole phrase. What he says is rejoice in the Lord always because that changes things because that means in spite of your current circumstances, in in spite of what you're facing, in spite of uncertainty, it means that even for a moment, even though you can't change your circumstances, even for a moment you can move your heart's attention away from the circumstances and reflect on God's goodness and his faithfulness until your emotions have a chance to catch up with the truth about who God is and what he might be up to. And so it isn't ignoring what you're facing, but it's turning your heart's attention away from that and putting it on God, and so you're rejoicing in the Lord. That's why we show up and sing here on Sunday mornings, even if, especially if, your life is in a season that doesn't necessarily inspire worship and celebration. What this gives us is at the very least a chance to practice refocusing our thoughts and our emotions in God's direction, to celebrate his grace, celebrate his mercy in your life, even when the realities of Monday through Saturday don't reflect that view. In the Lord, with our focus on him, be a living expression of joy, always. Rejoice in the Lord, always. So Paul continues here into verse 5. Rejoice in the Lord. Let, uh, I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness, let your kindness, let the fruits of the Spirit be evident to all. The Lord is near. So, so don't let that uncertainty, don't let the circumstances in your life have a negative impact on your character and on the way that you interact with people. But isn't that how it goes usually? Like, isn't, isn't the way we interact with people usually a reflection of how things are going in our lives? But Paul is saying our gentleness Our kindness, even though it's usually a reflection of things going our way, Paul's saying that's all fine, but now 
in the midst of your uncertainty, in the midst of your dark season, in the midst of not knowing what God is up to, now is when people will discover who you really are. So let that joy well up inside you and be a part of your life even in the midst of your worst moments. Now, does that mean we don't mourn when we need to mourn? No, that's not what that means. Does that, does that mean we don't weep when we need to weep? No, it does. we're not ignoring our circumstances. We're not ignoring the emotions that we're experiencing. We're talking about controlling our response to those seasons, our response to the uncertainty, our response to the emotions that come along with it. Why? Because we have more to lean on and we have more to live for than just this life. If all we have is this life, then yeah, when things go bad, it is time to freak out. It is time to change who we are. It is time to take things into our own hands. But we have more than just this life. And if there is more, then we're called to a different kind of a response in the midst of it. So then the question being, all right, how do we even experience this? How do we do this? Because the natural human response to uncertainty, the natural human response to darkness in our lives is not to respond with joy. So how do we experience an inhuman response to a human response? a human situation, human uncertainty. Well, Paul gets a little bit practical here in verse six. He says, rejoice always, rejoice, and and even in the midst of difficult circumstances, the Lord is near, let your gentleness be evident to all. Verse six, do not be anxious about anything. And now when you see that word anxious, this is not clinically diagnosed anxiety, okay? This is a chosen response Chosen reaction to uncertainty. So we're talking about something. This isn't, this isn't ignore something in your life that maybe you need professional guidance through, right? This is a different type of anxiety. This is chosen responses to the situations that we're in. Don't be anxious about every, anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So Paul says, don't be troubled by what's out there in the future. Don't be distracted by what's happening now or what's happening in the future or what might happen off in the future. Instead, channel that energy, channel your thoughts, channel your time in a different direction. So now when you're laying awake at night, stewing over the things in your life, when it enters your brain on your drive home in the afternoon, when, it's, when, when you're melting into your couch just trying to get away from the day that you've had, when you're busying yourself with tasks, when you're numbing out in some way, in prayer, present your requests to God. And this is actually, when it says present your requests, this is a bigger deal than our English word present. This this is saying reveal. This is make known. Give thorough knowledge of what you're dealing with. Give God thorough knowledge of what you're feeling and what you're thinking, like you're revealing a mystery, like like you're telling him something that he didn't already know. Because well, here's the thing. We know that God knows, right? There's nothing that we're going to tell him or reveal to him that he doesn't know. But part of the process of revealing these things to him is him helping, is him having the opportunity to then turn around and reveal different things to us. Because part of this process is helping us understand what it is that we're really experiencing, what we're really struggling with. Because when we pray, it's usually what we can express are, are those surface emotions, right? The, the things that we're feeling in the moment. So we're, we're anxious and we're uncertain about our job. Or we talk to him about sell, uh, making sure our house gets sold or, or closing the deal at work or some relationship thing that we're struggling with. Or we reveal to him uh, concern about how am I going to move forward without her? What are we going to do without him? 
What are we going to do in this situation? But what's behind those emotions? What's behind those initial things that we're revealing to God? Well, he can turn around and say, okay, this is, this is about security. This is about concern for family. This is about a need to feel important again. This is about a need to feel loved again. This is about a broken heart. This is about broken trust. This is about not being sure if God cares about my situation. And so, and so when we bring things to him in prayer, the goal is not, hey, God bless mom, God bless dad, God bless sister, help my brother with his test, help me with my trial. This is pouring out the fears and the needs and the anxiety and the frustration and the hurt and making those things fully known to God so that he can turn around and speak back into us in the midst of the uncertainty. Because then, when we're willing to pour those things out and give him an opportunity to minister to our hearts, then verse 7 comes in. And when we do that, when we present those requests to God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul had a lot of different ways he could have ended that verse. A lot of different ways he could have closed out this particular thought in this particular passage because he had, dealed, he had dealt with a lot of things. And so maybe Paul is writing this letter and wants to write, present your request to God with thanksgiving. Don't be anxious about anything. Present your request to God and then he'll get you out of prison. Or maybe he's writing and he wanted to write, present your request to God and you'll avoid being executed by the evil emperor. Or maybe he wanted to write, and then your friends won't abandon you on the mission field anymore. He went through all of those things. He wanted, I can see Paul wanting to, but that's not how he ended it. That's not the truth of the situation. No, he ends it with, and then peace. Peace that doesn't make any sense. Peace that is inhuman and is incomprehensible on the human level. Nothing has changed in your circumstances. Peace. Peace that allows you to remain peaceful and experience joy before the circumstances change. Peace that's grounded in Jesus, protecting your heart, fighting to keep uncertainty from controlling your emotions and controlling your response to those emotions. Now, depending on your background, depending on what you've been through, depending on what you're currently going through, you might be sitting there thinking, all right, this isn't real. It's an old book. Everyone who wrote it is dead. It's been 2,000 years. It isn't applying to me now. This is not real. But I want to take a quick poll. And this is a little bit risky, right? Because you can't set this up. Someone once told me, don't take a survey unless you're sure what the response is going to be, but I'm going to break that rule right now, okay? Um, if, if you're experiencing a season of uncertainty and you're struggling to experience this kind of peace that we're talking about, you're struggling to... To, to buy into what we're talking about right now and what Paul was writing. I want you to look around in a second. So, so for those of you who are here, if, if you've ever experienced the peace of God in the midst of a situation or in the midst of a season when you should have been experiencing anything but peace, would you slip your hand up for a second? Keep it up. So for those of you who maybe your hand is up and you're still in one of those seasons right now, I want you to look up at your hand. I want you to look at the hands around you. If you're in a season of uncertainty and you're struggling to understand how can someone experience peace in the midst of a situation that calls for anything but peace, why are these hands up right now? Thanks, you can put your hands down. 
Those hands are up because those people have understood at one point in their lives that God still has the whole world in his hands. God still has your world in his hands. And so in the midst of uncertainty, when we're left with nothing else, we can't control our circumstances, we can't, we're having trouble controlling our emotions, controlling our responses, and it's leading us in a direction that we don't want to go. In the midst of uncertainty, we can pray until the peace comes because he promised that it will and he always keeps his promises. We can pray until the peace comes. Brian and Mary are going to come back and kind of lead us into the next time. And so what we're going to do is they're, they're going to just do a kind of a special song for us for the next few minutes and, and just kind of give us a chance to turn our hearts in that direction. And, and I'm going to be back up in a couple minutes when they're done and just kind of lead us through a time of guided prayer. And, and if it's not something you've ever experienced before, it might be awkward, but that's okay. Um, I want to give you an opportunity because some of us here are in a season where the only thing left to do is pray. The only thing we can think to do is pray. And so whether you're in a season like that now or there's someone in your life who might be in a season like that, um, we're just going to take an opportunity this morning to just turn our hearts and our minds toward the Lord and give him an opportunity to provide peace where maybe that doesn't seem possible.